0: was happy for that last song for two reasons. Uh, the second one was it woke us up. <laughs> the others are so pretty that, you know, you nod off. Uh, or maybe you didn't. But I'd like to reread that third verse or stanza there. In heaven's eternal bliss, the loveliest strain is this. May Jesus Christ be praised. The powers of darkness fear. When this sweet chant they hear, may Jesus Christ be praised. And I'm quite convinced that that's true. Uh, the enemy fears Jesus Christ. heard a testimony of a, uh, a man who the Lord has led into uh, a very broad area of ministry, but spiritual warfare. But generally, he's uh, involved with uh, going face to face with a lot of these things. And he, uh, on one occasion, uh, was asked to come because they felt somebody was, uh, if not possessed, is completely controlled by demonic spirits. He was at a college, Christian college, and he went, and the door was open as he walked up to the door, this young man was sitting behind the door, chair, bed or something there, and before he ever walked in, uh, they used his name, I don't even remember now what his last name was, but they said, you know, we're not afraid of you, before he ever walked in and met the man. And he walked on in and looked at him and he said, well, I'm not here representing myself, I'm here representing Jesus Christ. And the demon said, I'm afraid of him. (laughs) Uh, And that was a successful encounter in that this young man was set free. Serving in the jails, uh, anybody that serves in jails or prisons, uh, if they're going to be there as a believer and serving the Lord, is going to be engaged in spiritual warfare. Now that's not to say that everybody else isn't, because we're all engaged in spiritual warfare to one degree or another, and hopefully it's with a reasonably high level of awareness that things don't just happen. What we see and what we hear uh, are representative of the things we cannot see or hear. We actually read that this morning in Romans uh, chapter 1, the indictment against uh, the unsaved is that a knowledge of God uh, has been placed in them by God. They have no excuse because the knowledge is in them and through creation and and it says including the Godhead, there's knowledge of that available to them Uh, and it's not the way we usually think. But a Christian ought to be thinking that way, not in fear at all, in great confidence because our God is all-powerful. Our God is the only genuine power. Everything else is granted by him to one degree or another. Satan and the demons are created beings, and they are subject to God's power. And when a person gives their life to Jesus Christ, what happens? We're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. That's God. Uh, And if we stay uh, walking in humility before him, and walking in good conscience before Him, confessing sin and repenting of it as we go about day by day, then that power in us is there to be channeled to situations around us. And that doesn't mean all demonic, whether it's you know, prompted to, to say a certain thing to a certain person or, or share Christ with that person or whatever it might be. Uh, the Holy Spirit will prompt what we ought to do. And when we get confronted with demonic power, that power that resides in us, if we will trust in Him and use His word and stand against the enemy, the enemy loses every one of those encounters, every last one of them. The difference that might be in prisons and jails is the concentration of these things, because of how many of the people that are involved uh, either, again, either just strongly influenced by or actually just completely controlled or possessed by demonic powers are brought together in one place like that. What a great idea mankind had, bring them all together like that. of course, a lot of people, Christians and non-Christians alike, don't believe in any of this stuff. Uh, if, if you're one of the Christians or non-Christians that don't believe in it, uh, you ought to believe in it. It's very real. Uh, the um, ladies on the sixth floor of the Robert Presley Detention Center, and this was the, the day room that had the most Christians in it and they were most active being counseled by Betty and, and Terry, the other uh, female chaplain that's over there working with Betty. Uh, ha- there was a demonic uh, entity in that room, and it was so bold, it began to manifest itself so it could be seen. Uh, and that, of course, terrorized the ladies in that day room, uh, and they, in their fear, told the deputies, and the deputies laughed it off. They thought that was pretty funny. You know, what are these inmates going to come up with next, until the deputies saw it. And then it wasn't so funny anymore. Uh, And uh, Betty and Terry went up, and they prayed, and it went away. It's back again, we hear, through the ladies, or one of them. Something's back again. So it's going to take another prayer trip, I think, over there. These things are real, and they really get people to do things. Now, I want to be very careful here. Just because a person does something bad or evil, it doesn't mean a demon uh, got them to do it. I have met men that have done unspeakable evil. And there was, uh, they may have been, the suggestion might have been made by a a demon, but there was no question. They were not demon-possessed or anything like that. There was uh, no reason to believe that. They repented and came to Christ and had dramatic changes in their lives. So we got to be careful when we're talking about these things and dealing with these things not to get in this the devil made me do it attitude because there are three enemies out there, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Actually there's two out there, the world and the devil, because the flesh is right here. you see the encounter between Jesus Christ and Satan in the wilderness after his baptism. Satan didn't make any headway with the Lord at all. Well, why was that? There was nothing appealing to Jesus <laughs> that the enemy came offered Him. Uh, he had human flesh, although not a sin nature, uh, but there was no question. He was hungry, and that's a thing of the flesh. But he couldn't be tempted to compromise God's word. He wasn't going to do that. Uh, and uh, it, that's the the solution for mankind in dealing with that sort of thing. We crucify the flesh, we start living for Christ instead of ourselves. And the world and the devil have little sway with us. Temptations that might have floored us before and made us fall won't do that anymore, because it doesn't appeal to us because, that part of our being is being kept under control. It's not a one-time thing. It's a, I used to say daily, it's actually a moment-by-moment thing that we die to self and live only to Christ. Every time we, we let the, ourselves make a decision based on the truth of God's Word and His principles away from doing something wrong well, we've crucified the flesh again. And the more you do it, the more adept we become at doing it. Uh, there's a, I met a man in the jail, and uh, he was Christian. And we were talking about uh, some of these, well, not these things, but we were talking about uh, what it took to overcome temptation. And uh, it was it got to the point of explaining that a decision in our will isn't enough. That our, we can make a decision in ourselves. we can be very, very sad that we did a thing, hurt our wife, hurt our parents, hurt a sibling, hurt a friend, whatever. I mean really hurt. And you get disgusted with yourself and say, I'm never going to do that again. Or some other sin that you feel just as wicked. So I'm never going to do that again. And you mean it when you make that declaration. But the declaration typically comes out of our will, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And I'll tell you, the world, the flesh, and the devil, particularly the flesh, are far stronger than our soul. Far stronger. We say, I'm never going to do that again. And if our flesh could just speak independently of us, it would say, I'll show you what we're going to do. And take you by the back of the neck and just rub your nose right in it. So I'll ask the men that. How many of you said that? Every hand goes up. How many of you went right out and did something worse? Every hand goes up. Our will can't stand against it. What can stand against it? That Holy Spirit that's within us. We can make the choice to follow the Holy Spirit. We can make the choice to know God's Word and apply God's Word to our own lives. And when we were talking about those things, not that part, just the fact that our will couldn't couldn't handle it, he was kind of hunched over and I could tell he was under some pressure there. And I heard him say, not loudly, but loud enough... I thought there was supposed to be a way of escape. Sound like a verse to you? And I uh, told him, well, there is. But I'll tell you, the way of es- escape comes for the believer doing this. And we began talking about learning God's word and coming under the authority of God's word and, and, and uh, using it in little decisions as well as big decisions making commitments to make no provision for the flesh we're not going to entertain the flesh we're not going to allow it to do these things and then when a temptation does get we do get confronted with it we've got our way of escape our way of escape is retreating into the person and work of Jesus Christ into his word because it's right there for us to do it we can't be living like the world and engaging in whatever we want to engage in and then come up against some kind of a, a temptation that's going to not only hurt us, but maybe hurt others, and expect God to show a, this is the way out sign up there. He already showed us the way out. He says, this is the way, walk ye in it. And if we don't walk in it, we're not on the way of escape. And the devil can't make us sin. It's not his, within his power. He can only influence us if we let Him. We've got to not let Him. We've got to make sure we're not going to let Him. The Scripture gives us warning. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're not to give place to the devil. Verses 26 and 27 say, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Uh, God built anger into us. It's a legitimate emotion. And when you read the commentators, most of them will attribute that to, quote, righteous indignation. We're so offended in our righteous spirits that we get indignant over something and that's right and that's the right kind of anger. Well, perhaps wouldn't throw that out, but I believe that our, most of our anger doesn't come from witnessing something out there that, that we find uh, repulsive. It c- can come that way, but generally it comes from our rights being violated. Somebody didn't do what I wanted him to do. and it makes me mad. Uh, well, he knows that's going how that makes us feel, But what He wants us to do instead of just go ahead and be angry and go ahead and act out in that anger, but turn to Him instead and say, what is it that I'm not understanding about this? Because that kind of anger can be defined as a lack of understanding, that you don't understand what's going on. You don't understand the rush of emotions you may have felt. Um, There's things you just don't understand. And if you understood, if you could see the thing from God's perspective, You wouldn't be angry. Uh, You'd be understanding of what happened. may not be a happy thing, may not be a pleasant thing, but you won't be trying to deal with it in anger. What happens when we get angry? We usually can't think straight. I don't know how many people I've talked to in the jail that said they got angry, they got mad, they got furious, and in that moment, they acted. And when they calm down, they say things like, I know that was stupid. Well, I'm glad you finally figured it out. But uh, God has set us up spiritually so we can figure that out before we act in anger. We do not have to act in anger. God can intervene in our lives if we load up on God's word and ask him to teach us through the things that we're facing, how to respond to them so that we don't give place to the devil. Uh, Albert Barnes of Barnes Notes uh, says that this uh, means that we shouldn't, that when we do not resolve our anger, we become vulnerable to demonic suggestion. I think he hit the nail right on the head. A Christian, I don't believe, can be possessed of a demon, but we can sure do what they say, as we can actually attribute what they say to promptings of the Holy Spirit. or just what we ought to do, go ahead and get mad, go ahead and act on that anger because it's reasonable and most people would find it justified. Well, before God, it's not a matter of going up to a vote. Before God, it's a matter of doing what's right, what His will is. Uh, How does the demonic suggestion work? Well, there's lists in Scripture that tell us all about it in Galatians 5, 19 through lists a number of the things that they will prompt us to do. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. And it doesn't list, but you could find it elsewhere, uh, lying and stealing and all manner of perversion. There's nothing they won't suggest that we do. And, of course, often we just completely cooperate. Our flesh just says, oh, sounds good to me, and goes, we go ahead and do it. Um, we don't have to. What can a believer do when he's faced with that sort of thing? One of the things is to remember that sin starts in the heart. And so the condition of our heart has a lot to do with demonic influence. If our heart is laid open before the Lord, it is from his perspective, he sees what's going on there, but I mean from our perspective, we're being completely open and honest with him and asking him to search our heart and see if there's any evil way in me and to lead me in the way everlasting. He'll do that. He'll convict me of sin. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, convincing me of sin. When I'm convinced of sin, when he confronts me with it, I'm supposed to repent. Now, if I don't, what am I doing? I'm resisting God's grace. I'm resisting the Holy Spirit. That's serious stuff. And if we're going to resist the influence of the Holy Spirit, what kind of influence then are we inviting in? The flesh, the world, the devil. Uh, We've got to walk in humility before the Lord, we've got to believe His word. We've got to walk in integrity before the Lord. When the Spirit prompts, we need to repent. We need to know who we are in Christ and know His Word. We need to act when the Spirit prompts, and whether that means go to prayer, or go to God's Word, uh, confess sin before Him, perhaps who we've sinned against, we need to act on that. It's scary, we don't like doing that, especially the confessing to whoever we've hurt or harmed, but we need to do that. We need to act when the Spirit prompts acting in a positive way too, when it comes to sharing the gospel or being encouraging to someone or He opens a door of ministry opportunity You folks were praying about the Child Evangelism Fellowship work that uh, got partnered with the Bible study correspondence work so that we are able with the Bibles that go out in the jails to put a couple of enrollment forms for Child Evangelism Fellowship in there. And this last month, uh, over, we don't know exact number because one chaplain didn't cooperate telling us, but uh, on the ones that did, four of the five jails. Uh, produced 60 enrollments for children in Child Evangelism Fellowship Bible courses. That's the first full month that it's really been underway. That's kind of exciting (laughs) to me that 60 little children got invited to start learning God's Word. Actually, it was 59 because one of them was an inmate uh, who asked, can I enroll? And So I called CEF and they said, sure, anybody can enroll. Uh, so we now put out a little thing, and the end the enrollment thing says, "If you have a hard time reading, enroll yourself." Uh, I think this was an attack against Satan's kingdom. I think the whole idea, the whole concept, came from the Lord, and he, was, he, he did a, uh, one of these wonderful times of surprising Satan. Uh, he does that a lot. You know, smack Satan right upside the head with something he had had no idea was coming. And getting those children into Bible study, I think, was one of them. Uh, Now, he'll regroup and he'll counterattack. We've already had a minor counterattack. Somebody's trying to get us to stop distributing the uh, enrollments. Uh, But God just squashed that idea. The leadership in the jail said, oh, no, we're going to keep putting these out there. (laughs) Praise God. He did that. We need to call on the Lord for deliverance for ourselves as well as interceding for others. That's what Betty and Terry did. They went up there on the sixth floor and they asked the Lord to deal with the enemy. They didn't go up and try to find the thing and get it to manifest and argue with it or anything like that. That isn't what that kind of spiritual warfare is about. We don't have to talk to those things. Sometimes you do if they confront you, but that's pretty rare. At least been rare in my life to the point where hasn't happened, but um, I know that the Lord has used Betty, and He's used me, and He's used quite a number of others to do just frustrate the daylights out of the demonic powers by calling on God to deal with them, Uh, and it, it works. I mean, the Bible says that apparently the devil wanted something to do with Moses' body now, what he wanted to do with Moses' body, I don't even want to think about. But Michael contended with him over the body of Moses. And what did he say? The Lord rebuke you. And that's exactly what we ought to say when it comes to dealing, if we're, the Lord puts on our heart, if we, we sense in our spirit that we're dealing with a demonic situation, we can pray in the name of Jesus Christ through the power of his blood that God would bind and rebuke Satan and his principalities and powers and put a hedge of protection around this person, this person, or this group and so that we're free to do the will of God and not interfered with by the enemy. I don't know how many times that prayer has gone up and how many times it's opened a door that was closed before. We were in the prison of the crosses going cell to cell, and one of the guards said, you you, you can skip this cell, and we asked why, and he said, because the guy in there is, we think he's crazy, we know he can hear, because he responds to like a loud sound, but when you talk to him, he acts like he's deaf, and he'll just start talking right when you're talking. And the interpreter and I looked at each other, and we thought, I don't think he's crazy, and so we said, would you please just open it anyway? And so we did open the thing up, and the guy looks out at us, and before we did anything else, we prayed. And we just asked God, would you please silence the demonic powers, whatever's preventing this man from hearing your word. We think this is the only time we're going to get to see him, so would you allow him to hear your gospel? In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And we said... We're from the organization Spiritual Freedom, and we're here to tell you how to get to heaven instead of go to hell. And, and he said, That means I can hear you. <laughs> Had a big smile on his face. He didn't like not hearing. But it was demonic powers that were keeping him from hearing. We presented the gospel to that man, and he prayed to receive Christ, and we talked to him about these things if they revisited him what to do about it uh, it's a wonderful thing this wonderful power it wasn't us confronting a demon it was us turning and saying Abba I need help this thing's stronger than me and, and our dad says I know I'll take care of it <laughs> and he does he does it real good <laughs> he shuts them down What's the basis, what do we need to know about the enemy? We don't need to know a whole lot, really. Uh, Some things we need to know. We don't need to study the enemy to do battle with him. We need to study Jesus Christ. Uh, and We need to become like him. But the, the Bible reveals a lot about the devil. I would not engage in any kind of research into the occult at all, ever. Stay away from it. But what the Bible says is something can help us know the nature of this thing we're dealing with and his troops. A uh, number of different names for him. He's called the devil, which means literally slanderer. Uh, Satan, which is opponent or adversary. Beelzebub. I kind of like this one because it means Lord of the Flies. And somehow appropriate, I don't know. Uh, Belial worthless, wicked, without use, any good use. He's the accuser. He's the tempter, the enemy, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the angel of the bottomless pit, the destroyer, the father of lies. Uh, We don't want to be associated with any of those things because that's his realm. That's what he does. Um, I think we all know that even the word pharmaceutical comes from a Greek word that has to do with the occult. That doesn't mean you can't ever take medicine, but it does mean you better be careful taking medicine because it's his realm. And so we need to be very careful uh, when we get into his realm touching anything there that uh, could be a problem for us or others around us. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 stops before it gets into the armor of God. You're probably very familiar with that, and we ought to get more familiar with it. But 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. What did Jesus Christ say about today? He, he took care of yesterday and the past through his death on the cross. Anything wrong that we've done or anybody else has done got paid for on that cross. He says, don't worry about the future. You don't even know if you're going to be here. He said, each day has enough evil for itself. So when's the evil day? It's today. Today's the evil day. So today's the day we need to stand. Stand in Jesus Christ. Standing in who we are in Jesus Christ. And being confident of that, because it's one of the key things in being able to deal with the devil or his forces. It says, be strong in the Lord. We need to know God's word. We need to believe God's word. We need to think God's word. Things, people say things. It needs to bring God's word up because we're so permeated with it. We need to ask the Spirit to help us rightly apply it to our lives, at his direction. Doing that kind of thing, living that kind of a life, then we're able to do what verse 13 says is having done all to stand. We don't have to be afraid of demonic power. James 4.7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Donald Barnhouse, a theologian from, he went to be with the Lord in the mid-60s, I think, uh, wrote about wrestling with what he thought was a a demonic power situation. It seemed like the more he tried to stand, the more he tried to resist, the worse the pressure got. And he said, he just went to prayer and said, What's going on? Your word says resist the devil and he'll flee from me. And he said, it wasn't an audible voice, but just as clear as could be, he heard, read the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse was, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God. Submit to God. We ought to be on our face before the Lord. He's God, we're not. And the hardest thing for a human being, particularly men, to do, is realize that a good portion of our thinking is wrong. And we don't know it's wrong because it's our thinking. I think I've told the the vegetable story and how embarrassed I, I got when I found out how to pronounce a vegetable by the name of okra. My parents came from the south. I grew up, I never saw the word in print, and I grew up seeing this dish of nasty tasting, well, it was a dish of vegetables and they called it okri. My mother being from Oklahoma and my father, father being from Alabama, it was okri. The first time I said that in front of some others that knew how to pronounce it, they laughed me to scorn, they thought that was hilarious. Uh, but it was my frame of reference, I didn't know it was wrong. Somebody would have asked me what is that, I would have said it's okri. Because that's what I'd learned. Most of our life is like that to one degree or another. We don't know what we don't know. But God does. And we can ask him to examine our hearts and bring to mind those areas where we're not in sync with him. I remember... Many years ago, when God was first really pressuring me to, to change my ways, I just had this sense that I wasn't pleasing God. I was getting up early in the morning and studying the Word. And I was forcing my family up early in the morning to spend time around the Word. And they're, they haven't forgiven me for that yet. Uh, it, you know, Things were not real pleasant in my house, but I thought they were. Because uh, I thought I was the right guy, uh, I wasn't the right guy. But I had this feeling, and I remember talking to you know a couple of the other elders at the assembly where we were going, and I said I had this feeling, and they said, oh, Paul, you know you love your family, you you know you're doing all these good things. Don't worry about it. And but the feeling didn't leave me, and I remember one day uh, mentioning it to Betty. She should have been the first one I mentioned it to, but I said, you know, I just got this feeling I'm not not pleasing the Lord, at least in some areas of my life. And I told her who I'd ask, and they said, don't worry about it. And, and she said, well, why don't you ask God? I thought, oh, there's an idea. You know? And so I did, and oh my, uh, He gave me an earful. I was thinking some area out there that I just got to bring this one more in, and then I'm going to be walking the straight and narrow, and I found out I, I didn't even know where the path was, much less walking the straight and narrow. So he'll reveal to you, he'll start working with you. That was a lot of years ago, he's still working on me. I'm not trying to say I've arrived at any high spiritual plane, but he hasn't given up teaching me and training me. And in that teaching and training, it keeps closing doors that the enemy has opportunity to come in and exploit and get me to say or do something that I think is perfectly all right, but is not perfectly all right. I can stand, so I can submit to God and resist the devil and watch him flee there's something wonderful about that watching him flee submission, humility obedience to our God is essential to dealing with demonic forces whether they're there in person or whether uh, attacking us personally or whether it's a matter of helping somebody else We're to resist the devil, stand opposed to him. If we're actually confronted with a demonic power, it is very important to call on the power of the Lord and use scripture on them. They will not stand in the face of scripture. They can't handle it. And the best thing to do is learn some of the, uh, what do they call the identification doctrines, fancy word for who we are in Christ. Uh, for instance, Colossians 3.3, 3, it's a nice short one, so we might want to memorize that one. For you died, you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So I'm dealing with the demonic power, and he says, you're going to die, I can say, well, I already died, my life is hid with Christ in God, so you can take a hike. And they've got to take a hike. Uh, they don't have any choice, because you know who you are in Christ, and you've just used scripture to deal with the confrontation. Uh, John, 1 John 4.4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, the enemy really hates that one. Uh, but it works. Uh, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus when Satan comes along and tells you you're not worth anything you have no value that's not Jesus' view of you Uh, forgave your sins and you died with him and you raised with him and you sit together with Christ in heavenly places that's pretty good stuff there's a wonderful day coming when the enemy is going to be thrown into the lake of fire once for all. But until then we need to stay aware that he's out there and working diligently to destroy our lives and he's got a perfect ally in our own flesh. So we've got to deal with that and in dealing with that we can identify when it's the enemy coming against us or coming against someone else and we can fight back in that way. In Colossians it says we were buried with him in baptism. This is Colossians chapter two, starting at verse twelve, wherein also you were risen with him through f- the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Uh, They hate that one too. But that's exactly what our Lord did. He made a public spectacle of the enemy when they were trying to defeat him when he hung on that cross. Uh, What a wonder uh, that our God is. He's precious, but he's also very strong. Often, young people especially, they think in terms of the Lamb of God, and like Mary had a little lamb, and little lambs don't have much strength. That's not the kind of lamb he is. He's an attack lamb. And he... uh, He can handle it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just bow before your grace and your mercy and your majesty and offer up praise and thanksgiving. That you are are you alone are God, and that we're your creation, and that you love us through and through. And you've sent your Holy Spirit to indwell those of us that have turned our lives over to you, repented and received Christ as our Lord and Savior. And you've equipped us through your word and through the work of your spirit to live successful, holy lives here on earth, doing great damage to Satan's kingdom. Thank you for teaching us that we don't have to be kicked around by evil, but we can overcome evil with good. Surely our Savior is good he overcomes evil. We thank you and we praise you for these great truths of your word and pray, Lord, that we would just be open, committed to you to walk with you in honesty and integrity so that you can use us to your glory and for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.